Warning, this podcast is rated not safe for work for profanity, sexual innuendo, and general silliness. Welcome to the Macabre Academy. We're French this week. So uh, tune in for the beautiful, beautiful shit show that will be our episode. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Yes. So we're trying, I? Something, I was saying, we're trying something new this week, listeners, so this might be total and utter crap. Maybe. But hopefully you'll like it, and hopefully it'll go off swimmingly. If not, we apologize in advance, and uh, you can yell at us on social media. Hey, they know I'm what they signed sorry. up for. Truth. I'm not sorry. <laughs> sorry, Sucks not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Actually... I'm going to start off with banter anyway. There's a doormat I want for my new apartment that says, welcome to the shit show. And it's got all those pretty flowers around it. So obviously we need it. Yeah, we have to buy it. We the one to. I want, the doormat I want, it says, come back with a warrant. That's kind of like mine right now. It says, come back with pumpkin spice. On it. Um, <laughs> he is part of the Macabre Academy. He's got the pumpkin spice. It's perfect. This is actually a pumpkin spice macchiato. You sub out the vanilla syrup for pumpkin spice, and it's amazing. What? That sounds good. It is good. Oh, tomorrow I'm getting that. I've never had it that way. No. It's all right. My life's over. I put screwball peanut butter whiskey in my apple cider, and it's game over. I'm done. It's going to be a long night, everybody. Buckle up. Yeah. I'm drinking water. Somebody's making good choices. Water? Fish fucking water. I don't drink water, guys. <laughs> I Maybe. might die. Don't die. Look, that's all after this recording. We got too much shit to get through. That is true. So, oh, I wanted a good segue, and I can't think of one. I guess we'll have to, if you die, we'll have to bring you in by seance. <gasps> oh! Yeah, Kev's, Kev for the segue. He is Look on it you. today. You're not trash today. Oh, he's good. He's so good. Okay. So Kevin hit the nail on the head. Today we are talking about divination techniques. This was requested by our one of our favorite Patreon childs, Tara. We love Tara. Yeah. We owed her. In fact, this is a re-record because the first one I was such a hot mess. So here we are. Tara, we love you. We love your participation, and we appreciate that you're part of the Macabre Academy. We need, like, ten more of you. Yeah, can you, like, just duplicate yourself? Yeah, you need one of her in your houses, because she she does the dares. Right. People need to step it up. Well, hey, the person in Kev's house does the dares. What the fuck are we doing, guys? Why are we trash? House never Well, I mean, look at the house... Look at the house leader. That should tell you everything you need to know. I mean, you're not wrong. I am a trash leader. I learned that last month. (laughs) Okay. So speaking of divination, how about, I don't know how good my statistic is, but 15% Americans have consulted a psychic or a fortune teller. I'm part of that 15%. Me too. So the first time we did this, I couldn't remember the I couldn't remember the the other name they go by now. It's clairvoyant. Is, oh, yeah. uh, is what I is what I pulled from my brainscape. <laughs> you know who's not a clairvoyant? This girl. Me? 
Same. I'm just haunted. You're sensitive. I'm sensitive because I'm haunted. Mm. There is actually a tarot card reader, which I adored. I actually prefer going to him um, instead of going to therapy. There you go. Well, his predictions were like head on. Like they were fantastic. And, you know, his cards were his mother's cards and he was like deadly accurate. Wow. She helped um, in the beginning of when Wicca was starting to become popular in like the 60s or something or Mm -hmm. the 70s with that kind of revolution and that free thinking and a return to nature and stuff. So her deck was very original. And I have That's like cool. six decks sitting in my clo- my my cabinet right now. Like six of them. Wow. And, yeah. Well, what sucks is, is like there, there's like a friction. Okay. There's tarot historians and tarot card readers. It's like putting the people who research historical Jesus next to a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Spiritual Jesus and historical Jesus. Jesus, do not marry together well. No. What What's the truth, though, is tarot evolved from playing card games over time. There's there's a timeline. I know because so, I've organized it. So when you told me about this, I started looking into it a little bit, and I found the most insane stat that I could have possibly come up with. Okay. This is I'm, – I'm actually shocked by this because – so this woman who went by the Green Witch site – Psychic, I think her think she went by. Her normal fee was like a buck fifty. This was like in '94, so that was a lot of money in '94. Yeah, like, was. Like you could buy a money car. Now. Like you could buy a car in '94 for 150 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. For 24 seven access to this chick, you could pay between two G's and nine G's. Wait, why? The fuck. For 24 seven access to her, if you needed it, if you needed her at like three in the morning. She'd be there, but you had to pay between two and nine G's. Was she I don't that think that's good? worth it. I I guess people paid it. Is she around a day? I have no idea. Is that like a Miss Cleo situation where she kind of just like died off? Oh, I remember those infomercials. Those were those were funny. Well, I got I fell in love with that. I want to do an episode on it so bad. I've said this before. Oh, that man. Mucho mucho amor. It's yes, a, it's a documentary on Netflix, and this guy did astrology on Spanish television, mm-hmm. and he was so beloved. Oh, I cried through that documentary. I loved it so much. That's what you were saying, Kev. Have you seen it yet? Do you Netflix documentaries? I Netflix the Great British Baking Show. What season <laughs> are you on? I've, I've actually started watching it in reverse order, so I went from seven to one. Why? Because it's what came up my Netflix timeline. You're a monster. Listen, I started watching. You? Listen, I started oh, watching no. Vikings in season six. No, I and then can't. my wife yelled at me and went, "You can't do that." And I went, "Why? I don't even know if I like it. I just want to get into the show, and see if I like it." So I watched I like, like an no. episode. Of the, then I watched like an episode and a half, and she yelled at me some more, and I was like, "Fine." So I waited for her to come home from a business trip, and we watched it from the beginning. No, you're a monster. I can't I do that. No. You know what? It makes sense, though, because there was that Salem show on Netflix, and I 
hated the first episode. I had to force myself three times to get to the third episode before it got good. Okay, Orphan Black is the same way. You ever watch Orphan Black? Orange is the New Black? No, Orphan Black. No. You have to watch it. It's fucking amazing. So like, it's typical. It's typical BBC shit. So it starts real slow. Okay. Because you know, like, it's not like people in other countries apparently have attention spans. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, we don't. (laughs) They actually do like character development and shit, and it's fucking really, really good. You know what? BBC gave us Sherlock Holmes with Cumberbatch, and I'm okay with that. Like, I feel like I can invest myself. Like, if you haven't watched Orphan Black, what are you even doing with your life? Sleeping, crying, actually researching tarot cards. That's what I've been doing with my life. I've been, I've been sleeping and crying. <laughs> I've been playing Modern Warfare way too much. Oh We're a Modern Warfare podcast now. And I don't Animal Crossing play video podcast. games. You know how much money I made on the stock market this week? Kev, how much money did you make on the I cashed, market? I cashed out for 1.06 million bells. How is that even possible? I bought them at ninety two. I spent two hundred thousand on them, so I cleared like eight hundred G's. But I bought them for ninety two, and I sold them for five hundred and forty six bells per turnip. Brandy's face got super serious. I have a question. And I still owe that raccoon fucking money. I still owe him like four grand. I also also still owe him like four hundred thousand bells. Fuck that raccoon. Steph, do you have something smoking? I do. It's incense. Okay, that makes me feel better. Every stick is a spite. That's fine. I just constantly see, like, right behind you, like, little puffs of, like, smoke. But I was like, are those smoke or is there something in her house? Oh, I should have lied. You said they were ghosts. No, that's why my face got so serious. I was like, no, Steph, like, you can't have ghosts in there. No, we just smudged the shit out of my place. There's no way. That's why I got scared. No, I I actually put in librarian incense and we know how much every stick is spiting my mother-in-law I'm like oh 1000 percent. yeah so i thought since i did all this research and we were doing this awesome episode with all this history and all this dedication and 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 you know sources and shit i was like oh we're gonna burn librarian but we literally you're also, got it and you're also wearing a ghostbuster shirt which is apt i'm so proud of you mm-hmm. however i only got like to my first bullet Oh my god! So we got we got to get it. What do you expect from us? We're trash. Get get yourself a snack, boys. This is going to be a long one. I got a zebra cake. You do eat something every episode, Brandy. It's gonna. Can I tell you how pissed off I was this Christmas? I I love the little Debbie trees, and I couldn't find them anywhere. It ruined my fucking Christmas. Shut up. There's no way those disappeared off the face of the earth. No, I just they only came up for like a limited time, and I missed them. Oh, I literally works. spent I literally spent two months checking Giant Eagle's shelf for like hoping they'd come back and they didn't. I was so pissed off. <laughs> I get a box you. every year. I demolish them and I never eat them again. It's a once a year thing. That's like That's fair. I buy them yeah. Easter and then I don't want them again. And candy corn. I love candy corn. You shut your yeah, whole mouth. I, but no, I don't eat candy corn any other time of the year other than Halloween. That's the only There's- time you can eat candy corn. I mean, no, technically you can eat candy corn all year, but like... No, you can't. Okay. Because I'm going to eat it at li- Christmas cause, now. Because you only buy so much, <laughs> and then you demolish it, and you can't get it again, so you can't eat it all year, because I don't have any self-control. If it's in my house, I demolish the whole fucking bag. That's fair. 
Jelly beans on the other hand, I still have. Oh my god, I fucking love jelly beans. I love the popcorn jelly bellies. Those are my favorite. Oh, there's something wrong with you. Yes. All of the jelly beans. We knew this already, dude. The the my move is you get the green apple and the cherry and you mix them together and it's fucking amazing. Mm. All right. If I could redirect, if I may. No, this is now a food podcast. <laughs> It's fair. All right. So to discuss the hero, the hero. See, Nyan's got me all disoriented. I hope you're happy. I could go for a hero. You got one laying around? Oh, God, I wish. I need me a big stack of meat. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten dinner yet. (laughs) So we're going to start with playing cards before we get to tarot. Playing cards originated in ninth century China during the Tang Dynasty as an evolution of domino tiles. So there was this advent of... I haven't thrown bones in a while. You know how to play dominoes? Yeah, I work at a cigar shop. It's a requirement. You must know how to play dominoes. He's also pretty good at poker. I can't play cards, but I want to learn dominoes. We can do that. Cool. Yeah, no, all card games are off the table unless it's Go Fish. I don't know. If you do dominoes, I like Mexican trains the most. That's the funnest version of dominoes. I don't I know any version, the shit so they, you can teach me any. I was learning the shit they play in Nicaragua for, for the trip I'm taking down there eventually. Because, you know, you got to. Mm-hmm. Nicaraguan is one of my favorite growing regions for coffee and cigar tobacco. But we need to get back to China. Okay. Great. So those motherfuckers figured out woodblock printing technology. And they the first mention of card games is actually found in Sui's book, Collection of Miscellanea of the Du Yang. You can also thank them for drinking card games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those weren't a normal deck of cards, but they were the ones with like instructions on them. And you either did the thing or you forfeited based on what the card said. Okay. But it still sounds fun to me. Yeah. Now we just need to learn Mandarin. Right? That's so hard. My sister-in-law is fluent in Mandarin. Seriously? She's a fucking wizard. I have no idea. Not some real witchcraft. I think you just married into a family of smart people. I'm probably the dumbest person in any family gathering on my wife's side. It's ridiculous. And I mean, I have that's a fair. Degree. And I have a master's degree. I'm the smartest person in my family. Is that sad? Yes, it's sad. You know, it's not sad. Card 11, games? Yeah, card games. They're fun. No, they're they're a good time. They're a good they're time. Not. I hate them. Well, you're going to love them after this episode, damn it. 11th century, they found playing cards migrating into Egypt. Did they have passports? Possibly. I'd love to no, see No, they them. were illegal. They're aliens. They're aliens. Ancient aliens. Ancient astronaut theories say yes. <laughs> I'm not saying it was aliens. It, it was, was aliens. aliens. <laughs> That's totally going on my business cards next time I get business cards. Yes. Better. I'm just okay. going to slip it in there. Well, Egypt. The- the oldest surviving cards in the world are four fragments found in the Kier collection and one in the 
Benaki, B-E-N-A-K-I, sorry, museum. We are very flat. (laughs) Well, those you're looking at like 12th and 13th century. You know, what's crazy is when I was studying religion in college, right, there was a, a museum exhibition and I saw the oldest scrap of the Bible known to existence. And it was from Mark and it was like from, fuck, I can't remember the dates, but it was shortly after Christ died by comparison. So I'm literally staring at this piece of paper that's from like 100 AD and I like lost my mind. Oh my I just, God. Yeah, so I would be very interested to see these playing card fragments. I need to Google that because I hadn't done that yet. Yeah. Um, Europe's first documentary of actually playing card games comes from the city of Brene. Because they actually did a ban in 1367. And Florentine followed in 1377. You don't really see tarot cards until you see cardomancy. That's the schmancy name of reading cards for divination. You can be a cardomancer. Some theories actually date tarot far back as 14th century to a Turkish card game, Mamluk, that migrated into Western Europe. So those are like the earliest Arabic playing cards. A complete set found dated back to the 15th century. Do Yins know anything about um, Islamic art by chance? No. No. So when you're looking at art in Turkey and stuff, there's very few representations of people. So they spend a lot of time on uh, architecture, filigree, plants, and script. And that reflected in these cards because the cards are hallmarked by an arch border similar to Islamic doorways, gravestones, windows, and friezes. The suits kind of still exist today, but they were originally coins, cups, swords, and polo sticks. There are 13 cards per suit. That should sound familiar. The numbers go from 1 to 10 plus 3 court cards. One's a king, one's a lieutenant, and a second lieutenant. And then there was like a rank of what the card was in a blue description at the bottom of the card. Um, what kind of sucks is the Europeans couldn't read Turkish. So they uh, represented those things pictorially. Okay. So that's why we have like the pictures of the king. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And then that's also why you start to see like repeats of certain symbols on the cards. So okay. like you, you have like nine diamonds on a card. It's easier right. just to represent those if you can't read the number, but you right. can count them. Okay. Makes sense. So they get all schmancy in France. Big shocker. Of course um, they do. Where we're from. <laughs> 1392, Charles VI. Does anybody know anything about Charles VI? He came before the one Charles that, the. He came after Charles V and before Charles VII. Was he the one that cut everyone's heads off? I have no idea. I just know that Kev's right. Oh, well, one of them cut all their wives' heads off, didn't it? Maybe. I feel like one of the kings did. I just don't know which one. That's what Google's for. You want me to Google it? Yeah, might as well. Other search engines are available. Mm. They suck by comparison, but not sponsored. 
So Charles VI, while she's looking that up, commissioned painter Jacquemie to Grignier. Okay, it's G-R-I-N-G-O-N-N-E-U-R. I couldn't commit to a pronunciation. I'm sorry. So I was wrong. It's King Henry. Is he a six? Um, it's a V and then three I's. That's the eighth. Eighth. You, you and he's from close. England. Yeah, you weren't close. Not from France. Sorry. Not at all. He also has a song. King Henry the Eighth I am. I'm Henry the Eighth I am. Henry the Eighth I am. I am. Better stop before we get copyrighted. It's not a proper episode unless Kev sings. I'm proud of you. <laughs> okay. I need to start smoking bigger cigars. I'm going through way too many. That's what she said. Uh, okay. Continue. Was, yeah, it was a womp womp moment. I just, I really wanted to shoot sorry. It, and it just, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. I wanted it to, and then it just failed. Because I fail at life. Right? Me too. That's why we get along. Because we're trash. So Charles VI, for the third attempt in a row... <laughs> He commissioned three packs of cards to be, air quote, ornamented with many devices. And the only reason we know this is because the court treasurer documented the transaction in a ledger somewhere. There are 17 cards in the Charles VI death that still might exist today. Now, there are some theories, but possibly the set in the Bibliothèque Nationale in Paris might be there. But of course, there's some some nay motherfuckers that are like, nope, those are Northern Italy from the 15th rather than the 14th century. So I don't know. In Fort, oh, oh, Brandy, you're gonna like this part. <laughs> yeah, you better you better have some shit when I get done saying this stuff. Okay. Oh, good. Italy. All right. No lies. England. <gasps> Fuck off. I'm just gonna read it. In 1432. <laughs> St. Bernardo warned the air quote faithful that cards were invented by the devil. <laughs> Later picked up by English Puritans, they were regarded as the devil's picture book. And then by 1495, Henry VII, that Kev mentioned, issued a decree forbidding his servants from playing cards except during Christmas. But they're the devil. Why yep. am I allowed to play them on Jesus's birthday? Maybe he can't. They cancel them out. each other out. Yeah, that's bullshit. Fuck <laughs> that shit. I'm playing cards on Halloween now to bring double the devil. Fuck you. We should play rummy, and then you should lay three sixes. You kill me how to play rummy just so I can do that. That's the game my family all played. It's rummy. I need you to understand. Same. It was rummy. May I, and then something else. And I'm 25, and they've tried to teach me every year, and I just can't learn. Kev, do your family have a card game that they all play? Not really. Literally, a lot of poker. Oh, that's fair. There you go. We need to play poker with Kev's. We can. We need to do that. I'm really bad. You're gonna get frustrated. But that's half the fun. I mean, I'm just letting you know. That's why it's called a game. Like, my family kicked me out of the card game so many times because why haven't you learned this yet? You've been here for 25 years, 
And I was like, I'm sorry. I just can't figure it out. I give up. Well, you might have more fun with tarot cards if I can, if I can get to it. All right. The Italian aristocracy played a game called Terrochi Appropriati. That was 15th century. Oldest deck from this time was from 1440, and it was called the Visconti Seforza, maybe, which was made for the Duke of Milan's family. A player would receive a random card, and it would inspire a poem about each other. And it would also be interpreted into narratives, sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure. Okay, I want to play that game. Right? I'm going to teach you tarot if it doesn't, if it kills me. So, but the, the Tarocci Appropriati is similar to bridge or mash. And these cards were referred to sortes or destinies. Okay. Have you ever played bridge? I have not. Don't you need like four players for that shit? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, we're one short. We can't learn bridge. I mean, if we really need it, my mom's always down to play cards. I don't think I've met your mom. Or I did. You I got drunk. Mom. Who did I tell that I was drunk at your house? That was Tiffany's mom and grandma. You have not met my mom yet. Oh, okay. I just knew there was an old lady who's like, you're a straight shooter. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yeah, that was <laughs> Tiffany's grandma. <laughs> like, who are you? What are you doing on this couch? I got drunk and I stayed tonight. <laughs> right? Like, I'm here. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> you just don't know me, but I'm the drunk ass on this couch. You won't see me again for a hot minute. It's okay. Okay, so in Italy, these rich motherfuckers had artisan cards called Carta di Tionfi, or Cards of Triumph. Those suits were cups, swords, coins, and polo sticks comprised with two male helpers. Should sound familiar. But those images and suits were inspired by costume characters of the local Carnivale parades. So that's where we get like the gesture. Jester. Jester, jester, same thing. No, it's not. It's usually not. A gesture is like a hand moment. I know it's not the same thing, but in my brain it is. That's like me and cask and casket. Me and Kev got into an entire fight last episode on it. I thought I was saying the right thing and I wasn't. They're not the same thing, Brandy. (laughs) My brain's still going to tell me that they are. (laughs) It's okay. But is that where it comes from? Yes. Okay, cool. I mean, you know, just sitting got... here, head in hands. Yeah. It's just... okay. We also got in a fight because I called it the clown. And she goes, it's not a clown. And I was like, no, it's a clown. Well, they're not just gestures. They're also harlequins. That's what our fight was about. Because I was like, oh, yeah, the creepy clown looking thing. And you were like, no, it's a harlequin. And I was like, yeah, a clown. If you like the Joker... And Harley, she's a Harlequin. She's not a clown. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Kev looks so disappointed in us. This episode is going so much better than the one we trashed. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I need we to were, know we have seven pages of notes and we're only on page two. <laughs> we were halfway done with the episode that Steph and I recorded earlier this week by now. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All right. Pressing through. Pressing through. All right. 
At some point, queens and wild cards were added to make up the deck of 78 tarot that we know today. So the minor arcana are called are translate into little secrets, and major arcana translates into big secrets. Hold on to that for later. The renovation, the renovation step. Reinvention. Okay, there you this, go. Yeah, that word. Which is sucks because now you guys have my Google Doc so you can see what I'm supposed to be saying. So you can laugh at me even harder when I don't say it right. The reinvention in 14th century of woodblock printing occurred in Germany. The Germans always make good stuff. Right? Except for... Mm. No, I don't have an exception. No, I don't like their food. I love German food. I need me some spatzel. And some I was actually button. just talking about the ShamWow guy. Wait, what does ShamWow have to do with German? Is he German? No, but it, that was what he said in the infomercial. He's like, yeah, it's, it's made in Germany. You know, the Germans always make good stuff. <laughs> so I'm great. part German. So that's that's true. They part then got arrest- <laughs> Shortly thereafter, they got go. arrested for beating up a hooker. You know what? Sometimes you just need to beat people up. It's fair. Especially hookers. It's fine. They She might have deserved it. She might have not, though. That's what we learned. You're in the not wrong. Case. A good book is a key to emotional freedom. Cast off your shackles, escape the mundane. Journey with me to Solace, a complex, magical world brought to life in vivid detail with characters you'll both love and hate. Immerse yourself in the lives of Lotus, Mist, Toll, and Greyotch, individuals brought together by a daring quest, an attempted murder, broken vows, and ties that bind. What will you discover as the story unfolds and their relationships evolve? Find out in Strands of Solace, rewoven by Cheryl Sukacek. Available now on Amazon. I've always, like, I've always wondered if they used the ShamWow to like clean the blood off. Oh my god, wait. That's how I want my body cleaned up when I die. ShamWows? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Steph, I also want you to walk into my funeral already drunk and be like, she hated all of you bitches, go home. Yes. And that's it. Okay, cool. Put your will remind me. I, I'm <laughs> all I need about that. To that. Happen. Yes, but I I have to redirect if I may. Cause... I guess. <laughs> okay. We really so, should have just done the banter episode first and then dug into this one. I told no, you, we got to get so much out better. Of our system. <laughs> it is really better. I even said this before we started. Please interrupt me, and now I have so many regrets. So many. You can't do that. There's I no can't undo it. There's no going back. No regrets. No regrets. So when the Germans started mass producing shit through the reinvention of woodblock printing, which means independent of when China did it like five centuries earlier or whatever, there was a rise in interest in these divination cards and playing cards because it was easier to mass produce them because it's just printing paper. So this actually led to card printing shops in Italy, France, Germany, and Belgium. And this became so popular and so skilled 
that they were marked by private artisans and craftsmen guilds. So 1540, fortune cards were changed from playing card games into divination cards because of a book published called The Oracles of Francisco Marcelino de Forley. This, again, is one card chosen at random to predict the future or answer a question. And then in 1735, we have manuscripts published called The Square of Sevens that start to suggest laying out the cards in a particular pattern. But it's not really established until 1750 called, uh, there was another publication called the Pratici Cartomancer. And not only does it establish patterns, but it also starts to assign individual meanings to the cards. This, oh, Brittany might like this one. I like this one. In 1781, we see a former Protestant pastor. Okay. His name is Anton Court de Gabeline in France, make a connection between tarot and some holy Egyptian text. And he claimed that these texts migrated through Europe by African gypsies. And he published a book called Le Monde Primitif, or The Primitive World, which suggested that all these arcane things were for divination. And then he published his own deck in 1789. I do like that. You know, it's full of shit, right? Yeah, but like, I still like it. I mean, it's fine. Well, I'm going to try to ruin it for you. Why do you always got to do that? Because that's my job. Okay. It really is. You're not wrong. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the, I'm, I'm the drunk that kills the bus. Okay, that's, that's what I do. So there's some problems with this guy's statement. Okay, because it predates gypsies in Europe altogether. And also, ancient Egyptian books or whatever couldn't be read at this time. Hieroglyphics could not have been translated prior to finding the Rosetta Stone in 1799. His cards came out in 1789. The Rosetta Stone wasn't found until 10 years later. So, like, I have a question. Sure. What's the Rosetta Stone? Are you it's that language learning software that's, that's really fucking expensive. Listen, that's where my mind went, but I know it has to be something else because it's really, really long ago. This is like one of the most important things to unlocking ancient languages that ever came into existence. Is that why the company named itself that? Yes. Okay, that's fine. It's a giant decoder ring on translating several different languages into other languages that we know. So it unlocked all these ancient languages that nobody knew what it meant. And I think I think the key was that it had Latin on it. So you were able okay, to I was go gonna from say, the Latin okay. back to the other stuff. Because I was like, how do we know what it means if we don't know those languages? But if it has Latin, that makes a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah, we did not know what the hieroglyphs even said until that right. stone was found. Okay. I mean, you can make some uh, some some speculation like oh i recognize that little eyeball over there and that's a grain of wheat and you can see that it's in a pattern it's trying to say something but nobody could crack that shit okay i just wasn't like obviously i figured it was something like translating but also what language did it translate to that we knew and like how did they know it because kev knows the thing better than me because he's smart that's literally the only fact about it i know 
Good. So okay. we put me I mean, together. You got the whole And it makes sense because it has Latin in it and we know Latin. We can translate it from there. That makes sense then. Yep. That's all. That's where my brain was like, what? Well, I think what he was trying to do it, do is, is I have this problem too. As soon as somebody throws Egyptian at it, it just automatically deems it as exotic and esoteric mm-hmm. and, oh, it must be legitimate. And it gives this crazy credibility to the Victorian mind. And even mm-hmm. some people still do that today. Like, oh, my past life, I was from Egypt. No, you weren't, motherfucker. Okay? You're as white as white. You probably were some far- farmer peasant in the middle of, of you know, uh, Holland. Okay? You're not an Egyptian pharaoh reincarnate. Okay? You're not that special. Get although over if yourself. You put, although if you put Egyptian in front of cotton, you can charge like four times more for your sheets. See? You're not wrong. Exactly. Bullshit. I call bullshit. And I love Egyptian culture. Like, I'm obsessed with it. So that's why I get more mad. That's fair. Yeah. So, okay. 1791, still prior to the Rosetta Stone, we have Atelier au l'art de l'air dens de Danes. Les Cartes. All right. Well, I'm notoriously bad at pronouncing things, but this means Atelier, the art of reading cards, comes out. And it's written see, by this. With, see, the problem with French is you say like every <clears throat> third letter. You say like every third letter. It's not like German where you like, you say, like in German, you say every single letter in the word. French, you just have like letters that don't need to be there. Like Target and Ballet. So hold on. Also, also, the the word the word for pet in French is so ridiculously long. Just now he did. So like Yes, the word yeah, yeah. the French word for pet is animal de compagnie. Look at you all sexy with that French. Proud of you. But that is a long ass word for pet. It's a really stupid one. I think, what is it saying? It's my animal companion. I don't, probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, the word I was trying to say translates into the art of reading cards. Now, well, here's the fun part. It's written by Jean-Baptiste Alietta or Aliette, Aliette, whatever. And he used his last name backwards to name this special card in his deck. And I just my oh, he did. Yeah, it's narcissistic Shut as shit. Up. It's so narcissistic. I mean, at least you had like a backwards last name that looked good. Mine wouldn't make any sense. And they'd be like, what the fuck is this? I mean, I could do it with my maiden name because it's Italian. So it would look super crazy backwards. Yeah, mine's German Irish. It would not look good. All right. I'm trying not to say your last name backwards. So we're just going to go. Okay, so. This guy, not only is he a narcissist, but he's a rip-off artist, okay? Because his cards, his tarot cards, are based off a game called um, Peak? Peak? It's Peak. Peak. And the special card in that game is what he called his last name backwards. The Elietelia card or whatever. And he took everything off of Gebelin. And John, John, this fucker also claimed that Egyptian hieroglyphs were were inspiration for the divination cards. 
And he based this off of the book of Toth that had engraved plates that inspired the imagery on these cards. And his deck became the first explicitly known for divination or tarot because of the secret knowledge from Egyptian mysticism. So, like, hold on. The Book of Toth that I looked into mm-hmm. does not match up with this at all. Well, what's in the Book of Toth? So, like, I found it the Aleister Crowley version. Oh, fuck Aleister Crowley. Right. But, fuck like, that guy. it's basically just his version of the deck and, like, explaining all of the deck through him. Like, because he designed with someone else a set of cards. Mm-hmm. And then, so, like, he designed them, and then he had a co-designer slash artist who would do all the artwork on the cards. Well... And then... Go ahead. Well, Toth is the Egyptian god of the underworld who would record things in his book. Right. When we... Right, so it shouldn't have anything to do with tarot. So Crowley sounds like he's doing the same bullshit. Yeah, so he, like, made another book with the same, like, Book of Toth name in it so that it would link the two together. Wait, what time, when when did he publish his Book of Toth? 1944. Motherfucker. He ripped that off of him. Uh-huh. So he linked it together that way because it was a bigger, longer name. Hold on. Let me see if I can find the exact. Oh, now I hate Crowley even more. Yeah. I don't even know if it's worth dedicating an episode to him because I hate that motherfucker so much. Let's see. Oh, after we're done recording, I thought that I had to tell Brandy. I forgot about <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, well, we're an hour in, and we're barely halfway through. So we were we are done. So, you and I were done by this point. I know. But it was not nearly as entertaining. It was not nearly as good. <laughs> well, he named his, the Book of Toth, parentheses, Egyptian Tarot. And then as like the author, he has his name. And then in parentheses again, it says the master Tarion. Is that him trying to say he's a cartomancer by calling himself a, a Tarion? Yep. Fuck that guy. So like, I really just don't like this guy. You know what? I I don't either, and I kind of don't want to waste any more time on him. If our patrons want me to do an Aleister Crowley, I will, but it is going to be a great personal, like... I mean, I'll do it and I'll write with him the whole time. Oh, it's so bad. Well, when you start getting closer to Aleister Crowley in the 19th century, you get this guy, Levy's ahead, okay? And he also exchanges priesthood for mysticism, occult, and magic. And I kind of feel like that's me because I exchanged exchanged Catholicism for my, you know, occult studies or whatever. Right. But in his view, Tara was older than 14th century. And his brain, this is pretty cool. He links the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet to the 22 trump cards in uh, a tarot deck. 
And then he believed that the tree of life was linked to tarot as well. And the cards would help you provide a roadmap into heaven. Which is some very close to golden dawn hermetic shit. Brandy's face. Do you know anything about golden dawn? No, I'm trash. Absolute garbage. No, but I do. I did some research on this. They're not complete trash. Look at you. And for the safe. All right, Kev, what do you got for me? Help me explain this to Brandy. Okay. I am not going to try to read the Latin because if you looked at my transcripts from university, um, I did not do well in Latin. Uh, Funny story about this. When I took Latin 2, the professor pulled me aside and went, what are you doing here? And I went, I'm trying to pass the class. She goes, she, she looks at me with a dead straight face and she looks at me and goes, listen, I only passed you in Latin one because I didn't think you'd be dumb enough to take Latin two. I took Latin in high school. And the only thing I knew how to say throughout the two and a half years I took it was kill dead babies. So then she's like, so then she goes, you should probably think about dropping this course. I went, well, I wish you had told me that two days ago because ad drop was yesterday. She goes, oh, I'll see you on class on Friday. And I went, no, nah, I don't think so. Oh, my God. I showed up to the final. I translated, I translated everything into base because she like, had translated like third of the sentence. So I just made it sound like decent English, handed in the paper. And I was, it was an 8 a.m. final. It was a 15-minute walk from the building back to my dorm. I was back in bed by 8.30. I love that. I'm so proud of you. Kev for the win. That's winning right there. Kev for the win. Hard. So yeah. Anyway, back to back to the uh, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which I don't know if that name could be any longer, but man, they really tried. It's schmancy. You didn't know the more words they add, the more you know mysterious it is. Yeah. Okay, so the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn is more commonly referred to as just the golden dawn, which is, you know, aces for everybody. (laughs) It it was a secret society, though I don't know how secret it is since we know about it. Uh, It was devoted to the study and practice of the occult, metaphysics, and the paranormal, which, uh, and they took place during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. They're known as a magical order, which is something I guess. Uh, they were active in Great Britain and Sweden, and they fo- focused their practices on. I can't read my own notes. Thurgy? Sure. Yeah. And spiritual development. Go with that. I'm going with it. Many present day concepts and rituals of magic um, are thought to be the center of these traditions. And these include things like Wicca which, you know, we got stuff for that now, so we don't need these people. Just throw them aside. We got stuff. That's all we need. Uh, there were three founders, William Robert Woodman, William Wynne Westcott, and Samuel Little Mat- Mathers. And they were Freemasons. So. Oh, another layer. So that's kind of cool, I guess. Uh, they're based... They're based on a hierarchy and initiation, much like the Masonic Lodges. However, women were admitted on an equal basis with men, which is pretty good for the times we're talking about. Yeah, right? 19th century. Isn't that like women's suffrage and shit? Yeah. 
So they formed roughly 1887 and went away roughly 1903. Fair. But so they were thriving in the Victorian era then. Yes. So what's interesting about the Victorian era then, you're seeing a rise in occult and spiritualism. And that came into favor with the upper class who were bored as fuck. But they threw a lot of house parties because they had monies. And all these house parties started to turn into seance, reading tea leaves, palmistry, tarot readings, and shit. But, like, what the fuck? So, like, for the seances, I looked into some of the things. Oh, tell me the things. So, a lot of the times it was people that obviously had lost loved ones, wanting to reconnect, wanting to do all of this stuff. I mean, same. It's the same. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, mediums would go, and they would do all the different things. Like, they would do the tea reading, the leave reading. Um, They did a thing called automatic writing, which was basically either they would hold a pencil or a pen in their hand and just kind of go into a trance-like state and give whatever spirit they were trying to channel access to their body. And just say, use my hand, write whatever you want, do what you want. And so the way they would originally do it would be to attach a pen to a planchette and then hold the planchette and just let the pen do whatever. Hmm. But that opium was also like, legal. He, opium was also legal around this time. So I mean, that's fair. Like, it might be a thing. But then that turned into the Ouija board. No shit. Because, yeah. Because it was hard to read because when you're like, I mean, I'm sure we've all done it where we just like kind of let our hand doodle while we read something or whatever and like keep your hand busy. It's impossible to figure out what it's writing because it's just going all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this turned into the Ouija board where it was still technically automatic writing because it was just spelling it out. And then it like became a game used by artists later on in like the surrealist movement to like brainstorm new ideas and like create new um original pieces of work that's so like what like Salvador Dali would have used it to help him inspire to paint the melting clocks yeah neat see I'm an historian I didn't know that shit that sounds really cool right that's why I was like oh I have to add that in oh thank Um, you that's for you (laughs) And then, um, like, even today, I don't know if a lot of therapists would do this, but especially in, like, the Freudian, I don't think I said that right. Fuck Freud. Okay, yeah. But Freudian. That's Freudian. There it is. Freudian. In, like, the Freudian psychoanalysis, they use that because they consider it the same as, like, a Freudian slip where your brain will just let something go. And if you're not paying attention to it and your hand's writing, it's going to write what you're thinking. Mm. And it could be like not conscious, like subconscious mind. And then it would be, oh my God, you're all running away from me. Hold on. People would later on use typewriters, computers, basically any medium they can to be able to do it because obviously it was making mediums money. In making psychics money because they were going to these parties. I mean, I'd go to that party. Right. And like, it didn't stop. So like in the early 1900s, this lady named Pearl, she was a housewife, 
thought that she had contacted a spirit named Patience Worth through a Ouija board, and Patience had dictated almost 5,000 poems, a play, several notes, and a bunch of short stories to Pearl. And, like, it was then shown through, like, not testing, but that Pearl didn't know half of the words or half of the material that she was writing about. So she couldn't have been the one actually writing it. And I thought that was cool. So on some level that legitimized patients Mm -hmm. being manifested through her automatic writing. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's what I got. That's what you got. Okay. So I know I'm waiting for some info on the tea leaf reading at that time too. Yes. What you got for me? So uh, I went to Google and typed in tea reading, tea leaf reading, because I know fuck all about this. And uh, I went to a website called teahow.com. T-E-A-H-O-W.com. Teahow. Yes. So you're supposed to steep the tea with the leaves in in, in the cup, right? And you're supposed to drink all of it except for like a tablespoon or two. Is what you're supposed to have left in the cup at the end. Then you leave the spoon in there for some fucking reason. And then I'm just going to read to you the process that is on their website because I have no firsthand experience about this. I know you guys hate it. You're going to have to deal with it. Sorry. Read away. What do you got? For it's me? okay. We'll live. So again, this is directly from their website. Here are the steps to take before you start the process of tea leaf reading. You try to clear your mind of any thoughts. Then you trust your first impressions. Don't second-guess yourself. Let the process guide you. Don't rush the process. Let it come to you naturally. Calmly examine the shapes of the tea leaves and how it is distributed. Don't try to force an answer. Just observe the leaves in depth and let the answer naturally appear to you. When you're looking at the leaves, try to discern shapes and figures and how the leaves clump. Observe observe how your instincts are trying to guide you. Don't read the leaves in a time-bound manner. Leave space for ambiguity. And then there's also a whole list of of shapes and things that I'm not going to get into because, God, we don't have that much time. You know, this is one of my party tricks, right? Really? Yeah, I read tea leaves. Not well, but I do it. Like, do I really have to drink the tea? Yes. Oh, then I can't ever get my tea leaves red. Sorry. Yes, you can. I hate tea. Well, what's interesting is like there's several different ways to read tea leaves because it's an intuitive process. But I did find some research when I was learning how to do it that where certain images or shapes fall within the cup will indicate the narrative. So if it's close to the handle of the cup that you're holding, it's close to your heart. If it's at the top of, top of the cup, it's closer to like the future. If it's at the bottom of the cup, it's more internal struggle, stuff like that. Okay. There's a whole, they have a whole big write-up, but if I read the whole thing, we'd be here for seven hours. Oh, yeah. Would I, so, I, mean, there, there's some, I mean, there's some interesting stuff out there, but I just didn't think we needed to get into it. So if you guys are interested in it, there's a lot of good shit on Google. Other search engines are available. We're not sponsored. We're not sponsored. Yeah. I mean, I wish we were. The only tip I can give. You gotta get that on, Google money. 
Yeah, right. Sponsor me, guys. Well, the only tip on reading leaves that I can give anybody is that I don't know what the shapes mean. So I reference dream journals. If I see like a bird, I'll look up the bird in a dream interpretation to help give me. Steph, you got real quiet. I'm so quiet. Did my internet crap out? Because it's new. No, your internet's internet's still fine. You just got really quiet. My ASMR podcast. (laughs) Well, I turned down the gain until I get the phone. So here we are. But okay, so you see this stuff in Victorian parties, along with, you know, the palmistry and the tea reading and shit. And you know who immediately comes to mind when I think of this stuff? Houdini. Houdini? Yeah, because he hated this shit. Oh my God, he totally did. So hold on, wait, I'm going to tell you more shit now. I love how Brandy looks prepared. I am. I just had to move because Ryan wants to play a game with his friend and he's going to make noise. So I moved. Hi. Different room. Um, so he hated the seances, but only because in the 1920s, after his mother died, he tried to communicate, but obviously he wasn't very open to it because he wanted to debunk everything. And now he had some, someone that he could finally like come in contact with. So after like going a couple of times and being like, oh, I don't really believe in this, but whatever, he decided to focus his energy on proving them to be fakes and debunking all of their things. Mm-hmm. He um, began to investigate the mediums and found that he could duplicate their methods on stage. So like if they were like, oh, knock once, if you're here, he would put his hand on their table and knock just like they were doing, or he would have someone else in the room knock on something. So it was just very easy for him to duplicate these things and to kind of debunk it on stage. So to prove that he had an open mind, though, like, I don't know why he felt he needed to prove that he had an open mind. He made a pact with his friends that when he died, if it was possible for him to make contact with them after his death, he would. And he like made a special code language or code term with his wife so that if she hosted a seance, he would use that code language and she would know it was him and could prove that it was real. Did they prove Which like now real? I want to, yeah. Or like could prove that it wasn't because like, oh, well he didn't do his code thing that only she knew about. Did so like, if, I don't know. Hmm. because so it didn't happen when other people were doing the seances but if she was there then something would happen like that so like i kind of find it hard to believe because she's the one that knew the codes so like was she interacting somehow and like making it happen Do you know what I mean? Like, if they had a certain, like, sequence of knocks that they would do. And then she was there and the knocks were happening. But if she wasn't there, they weren't happening. But what benefit do you have doing that if you're the only one who knows what that is? I mean, yeah. You can't prove to the other people, like, oh, if he says pineapple, 
and that's the code word, they don't know that the word is pineapple. Hold on, hold on. You just got really, really, really loud. Pineapple? Yeah, like, okay. I haven't moved. My mic is being stupid. I don't know what to tell you. That's fine. I was just like, oh my God, that's loud. That's a job for sound maiden. Yeah, she's going to hate us. Um, So I think like... So I picture Houdini a lot like my dad because they're just both very not closed off, but they're not open. Mm. So he would call the mediums vultures who prey on the bereaved. That was Houdini that said that. Houdini. Yes. And like, I can see my dad saying that. Cause like we all went to um, mediums and like all that stuff after my brother died, my mom, my sister and I, and my dad was like, I'm not going to that. That's stupid. They're just trying to take all your money and prey on you. And I was like, Oh my God, that's my dad. Mm-hmm. Like when I read that about Houdini. No shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to redirect that to tarot cards. Cause I still have a page of notes. I know. <laughs> it's so long. It's so long. So long. All right. So we're we're in the Victorian era. Still. 1909 gave us the Rider Waite deck, which is still printed to this day. Okay. So the, the 20th century occult tarot book was written by Waite himself, who also was part of the Hermetic Golden Dawn and was into that Aleister Crowley shit. Okay. Some lady named Pamela Coleman-Smith illustrated these cards on a suggestion from Waite to use human figures. And he based this off a Sola Busca artwork. And I really think that the Sola Busca is really interesting, which is why I'm trying to mention it. It's its own deck. And it's illustrated by an unknown artist. Ooh. I know, right? Nobody knows who did them. But the plates are from the 15th century. And they have these amazing expressive figures with precise contours and shading. So I thought that was really neat. Because if you look at like 14th century, like 1400s artwork, it's mm-hmm. it's still like stylized and stuff. So for this to be more natural was kind of cool. Yeah. And what it does is it's designed to elicit intuition to derive your own story. And that strong narrative element is what made them so popular. Okay. Right. So then you have Stuart Kaplan in 1977. He writes this fucking book called Tarot Cards for Fun and Fortune Telling and a few (laughs) other books. And that just renewed interest in the 70s. So that's kind of it for the history. But I did okay. want to explain how the cards from the playing card game translate into tarot. Because technically, you could read tarot cards from playing cards. But there aren't the same amount of cards. But you could. Okay. Just go with me on this. Okay. All right, Kev, name a suit of cards and I'll tell you what it is in tarot. Let's go with diamonds. Okay. I was thinking diamonds too. Whoa. Whoa, you guys are on the same page. Okay, so diamonds become pentacles, which is associated with green and the earth. These cards go over health, wealth, material possessions, the physical world, realization of ideas, and material gain. Okay. Give me another one. 
clubs? Clubs become wands. Associated with the color yellow and fire, these cards are generally about creativity, desires, passion, ignition, ideas, and careers. Okay. All right, Ian's got two left. Um, shit. Spades. Spades. Ooh, the spades, I got stuff. Okay. Spades become swords. So this is indigo and air. And these cards I get a lot when I get tarot card readings because they represent battles, challenges, struggling, physical and moral conflict, action, and change. Basic your whole your whole life. Right. But what I love is I have a weird sidebar on the spades. Okay. Elizabeth I levied a tax on the manufacture of playing cards, which generated significant revenue for the crown. By the end of the era, Queen Anne playing cards were in full swing. Men preferred a game called piquette. Women preferred ombre and the clergy and county squires played whist. So the ace of spades always looks really distinctive in a deck of cards. And that's because it was an official stamp of certification to indicate that the proper English tax was paid on the deck of cards. So you would buy a deck and it wouldn't have an ace of spades. And you had to go to the stamp office, pay the tax, and they gave you a special ace of spades so your deck was complete. Oh. Yeah. And the manufacturers were forbidden to produce an ace for the spades. And this tax survived into the 1960s. Yeah. And when they print decks now, if you look at them, like the bicycle ones, the ace of spades is always weird and unique. Okay. Yeah. So the last one you didn't get was hearts. Because I forgot that one. Yeah. I not remember what it was. Well, those are red and water, and they deal with emotions, love, romance, happiness, intuition, psychic abilities, and connection to the supernatural. Oh. Yeah. What's also weird about, like, a regular deck of playing cards is some believe that the 12 honors of the deck refer to the 12 signs of the zodiac or the 12 months of the year, and that the red and black in a regular playing card deck refer to the solstice and the equinox phases. And the four suits are the four seasons. The 13 cards in each suit in each suit being the same as the week in each quarter of the year. So you have winter, spring, summer, fall. Okay. And then original tarot decks, four archangels appear in the major arcania. So your temperance was originally Michael. The devil was original Uriel. Judgment was originally Gabriel. And the lovers were Raphael. And then Brady Mo, this one. Famous fashion houses such as Versace and Dolce and Gabbana use tarot designs in their recent collections. Wow. Yeah. And I have a fun game for us to play. But before I do, I want to go over that there's a myth that you should never buy your own tarot deck. Have you ever heard of that? You told me that. Yeah, it should be a gift. Well, this is bullshit. If you're drawn. Yeah, I found this out, too. If you're drawn to a deck, just fucking buy the deck. It's like a crystal. If you see it and you like it, yeah, buy it. Because something's telling you that you need it. Yeah, I realized that because I bought every single deck that I have, even though I wasn't supposed to. And I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it does make total sense. Like, I wouldn't go and buy 
like you crystals or anything and be like, oh yeah, Steph needs this. Unless like we were together, you were drawn to it and then like put it down and decided on something else. I'd be like, oh yeah, Steph liked that. Actually, my buddy, Chris, who helped, I helped smudge her house. She bought me, um, something told her to buy me a uh, tiger's eye, which I absolutely okay. love. And she bought it for me raw and it has its own meaning. So it made the gift really significant. That's something told her to buy me tiger's eye, but that's a story right. for time. So you ready for a STEM project guys? Yeah. Kev, you want a math? Let's do it. Okay. So I found out in my research that everyone has a tarot birth card associated with the major arcania. Okay, so you got to do math. You add up your birthday. So, for example, if you're born on October 7th, 1980, you add the 1, the 0, the 2, the 1, the 9, the 8, and the 0, and you get 21. And then you add those two together. And you get two plus one equals three. That tells you your card. So in that one, it was the world and the empress. So I masked mine out because my birthday is December 26, 1986. And my card is number seven, the chariot. This is neat. You might, you have to tell me how much this fits me. So, uh, the resulting, so everything that the chariot does is resulting actions from the lover's card, which is number six. So all relationships are my, or, you know, cause my resulting actions. And the, 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 look, I have this book. So I have a quote from it. It says, Life drives slowly forward and the charioteer must show steady purpose to gain valuable experience in this journey. And that will allow her to find her destiny. So it also represents victory, but a check of ego. And the chariot is associated with cancer and astrology, which is a hard exterior and soft marshmallow insides. So the shell of personality protects vulnerability. And for this person, the head and the heart must balance to move forward. Oh, that's a hundred percent you. Mm-hmm. Like right. to a T. Right? All right, let's let's find out Kev's. I'm I'm excited to find out Kev's. Kev, Ten. math. Ten. That's your that's your birth tarot number? Yep. Okay. This might explain why you have so much luck on the uh, the turnip market. So I'm reading for my book. Sorry, guys, but that's I don't have them memorized. So Kev is the Wheel of Fortune. Yep. After soul searching in a hermit phase, the wheel brings a new lesson that we get to understand fate to see if we can and cannot control and go with its flow. This may be the thought of understanding of non-attachment. Um, where we explore our own psyche, but cannot control the greater workings of the universe. So it's a go with the flow. It's also associated with Jupiter, the planet linked with luck and learning, Kev. Well, there you go. How do you feel about that? I like learning shit. So apparently the stars are in your favor. You're a lucky motherfucker. Seems like it. Okay, Brandy, your turn. Math. Five. Five. Okay, 
you're the hierophant or the high priest. They're an upholder of spiritual tradition, works in public mediating between heaven and spiritual council. The hierophant may appear in Orthodox Catholic, but in reading represents the nature of our own individual faith and the quest for oneness. So let's see. The pillars to note. Knowledge, while the keys to heaven symbolize spiritual authority. Huh. Says that it's associated with Taurus and a bull. Upright meaning growth. So it's about learning spiritual advancement and unity, having divine inspiration available to you in order to nature universal truths. This card shows you that the sanctuary of community, particularly a relation. Jeff has pulled her headphones. I popped out. the cord. Popped the cord. Completely oh, did that. Okay. So the hierophant can form of a teacher angel who watches you from above. In some instances, the hierophant also predicts partnership or marriage. I am confused. Me too. I'm so confused. It says feeling oppressed by authority and conformity, tradition, unity, self-development. It's I think okay, I'm gonna take a stab at this one. And I think it's somebody who continues to evolve. Until I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. It just seems like that you assume a position of authority as, you know, as you evolve, you keep advancing to the various stages until you are an expert. And that that's kind of like a quest for oneness and purpose that you're on. I think I'm taking a stab. Yours is the other one that makes me really confused. Cause I was like, Kev's card matches my card matches. You might want to Google it. The high priest number five, see if you come up with something better than my book. Because after that, I got nothing. Episode's over. Randy's card disappointed me so bad. Okay. Okay, so... Hold on. This says... That... It... If it's upright, it... Okay, I don't want your stupid ad. Go away. It symbolizes intuition, sacred knowledge, divine feminine, um, and the subconscious mind. Oh, my God. You're a haunted bitch. You're natural sensitive, and your feminine is shit with your, you know, your gold and your your bling. Exactly. Okay. So if it's reversed, hold on, wait. Oh, okay. If it's reversed, it's secrets, disconnected from intuition, withdrawal, and silence. Oh, shit, Brandy. Like, literally me. Hi. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I like this deck better. Okay, so my book failed you, but it doesn't mean that your birth card did. True. Okay, so let's wind out in this episode because it's long enough and Sound Maiden's going to kill me. Yes, you will. Kev, do you have a weird but true for me? I do. Oh, okay. Please make it good. Squirrels are behind most power outages in the United States. Squirrel! fucking love squirrels. <gasps> Wait, story time. So 
Um, we went to the store today, me and Ryan, to get screws for a license plate. And when we were at Ace Hardware, can I tell you, I saw the cutest little birdhouse that looked like a real house. And Ryan was like, why do you want a birdhouse? I was like, well, I don't want a birdhouse. I want a squirrel house. And then he crushed all my dreams because squirrels wouldn't fit through the hole of the birdhouse. So now I need a squirrel house. You got to make a squirrel house. I need it. There you go. Nice. Okay. I can't remember what our non-offensive dare was from the last. 87. How do you remember that? Are you just picking a number? No, that was the number. It was 87. Oh, thank you. Okay. So we're going to plug what the heck we're talking about. Non-offensive dares here. Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. Yeah, Sound Maiden did her thing. Thank you, Sound Maiden. Okay. We love you. So dare number 87 is to make a bucket list. Oh, I have a bucket list. Wait, you seriously sat this down and wrote bucket list? Yeah. Okay, what's what's your number one? I want to go to Italy. Nice. And do you have a bucket list? Nope. Or am I just that morbid and think I'm going to die young? I think that you have a greater understanding of the fragility of life <laughs> because of your experiences. That's a nice way of putting it. What, that you're morbid as fuck? <laughs> Who at 25 sits down and is like, yeah, let's make a bucket list. Let's do this. It makes sense if everybody knew you the way I knew you. You're not wrong. But I'm not going to disclose all your secrets. Ooh. Kev, you should write a bucket list. You should do this dare for House Veritas. You totally should. It's your turn. Maybe we'll see. Okay. I mean, you only need to write like three things and it's considered a list. How's two things not a list? I don't know. I like three better. Okay, great. Your bucket list must include three things. That you haven't already done. Okay, guys. We finished an episode. And like two hours later. Look at us. An hour and a half. 
we started at 1030. We bullshitted till about 11, almost 11. So we're over an hour, definitely. Oops. So we better, we better pray that our audience has a British attention span. I mean, they really should, because if I can listen to us, you can listen to us. You're fine. Fair. Yeah. You have ADD more than any of us. But I don't. But you do. But I do, but I don't. <laughs> Last episode, you're like, oh, I have the ADD. Hi. <laughs> Hi. That's but a direct I, quote from the previous episode. But I don't. I've never been diagnosed. But everyone else is like, yeah, you have ADD. And I was like, yeah, I do. You're right. <laughs> and meanwhile, fine. Kev is, is checked out. It's over. So, oh, Kev, I'm, here. I'm so listening. Fun. Please tell me this was better than our last go. It was definitely more fun. Good. <laughs> good, good. All right. So next up, we're working on iron for next week. Yeah. Cool. Brian, cool. House Veritas, we're coming for you. We love you too. All right. Well, we don't just I'm, love right. Tara. We don't just love Tara, but my recording, my new recording studio is hot as fuck. Okay. Yeah, I'm like done. Have fun. I need a good sign off. I feel like the last couple of sign offs are really like abrupt. Like, okay, we're done. Bye. And that was it. Peace out, Cub Scout. Kev, you got to say goodbye. I can't end the recording until you at least say something. See you later, Crocodile. Oh, no, I said it wrong. Fuck me up. Brandy. Bye. You interrupted his bye. Bye. Didn't even do it right. All right, guys. This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.